the Forged and Unbroken podcast. Hey everyone, just a couple weeks ago, I was fortunate to sit on a podcast with Amy and Kim, my friends over at Kindred Nutrition, and we talked about a day in the life of a firefighter. We focused on nutrition, sleep, a little bit of mental health, and some of the common pitfalls that we find ourselves in just in fire service culture when it comes to nutrition and how we can best prepare ourselves for our shift and our profession. So check it out. There's some good information in there and definitely check out Kindred Nutrition and Don't Be Foodish podcast. There's some great information that they're putting out monthly. So hope you enjoy it and look forward to any feedback you have. Thanks. We are back with Don't Be Foodish. This is Amy, if you can't tell, I have a very sultry voice today, um, thanks to my allergies and asthma, so bear with me. Um, I'm happy to have Kim Coppola, my co-host hey, here with me. Hey, and we are very excited to have part two with um, one of our favorite guests, Josh Burchick. Hey, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah, so, I mean, we just couldn't stop there. We felt like we had so much to talk about, so... Um, and, you know, part one, I think we've been getting a lot of feedback from people who just really didn't understand or really didn't even kind of contemplate what a day in the life or the weeks and um, the repetitive kind of trauma um, first line um, responders and firefighters go through. So it was pretty neat to hear such positive feedback and a lot of people saying, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for what they do. Like, let, let's keep getting this information um, I know you and I kind of talk um, all the time about these sorts of things, but I thought it would be an awesome um, resource for us to talk about some of the things that you see, um, you know, with the folks that you work with and then that Kim and I may see in our office because we uh, work with a lot of these people and use this, use this as kind of like an information session. Sure. So I figured we would kind of do that that kind of round of information and kind of go from there. So... Uh, the first thing that I want to bring up, my favorite thing, and even if you are a firefighter, if you are a teenager, turn <laughs> your ears up. Let's talk about energy drinks. Uh, what do we think about energy drinks? Um, and do you see that that's something that's used um, in the firefighting arena? <clears throat> oh, man, not only is it used, like it's, um, I feel like we should have bought stock in it like early on. And like, we have pallets <laughs> that, I'm not even kidding. Sometimes people will have cases and cases. Um, Sometimes they're in vending machines. Like it's all, it's rampant. Um, I think it's public safety in general. We are in these positions where we we are waking up super early. We have very long shifts. Maybe you're on that schedule. That's a, uh, it's a night shift. Um, We're working overnight, you know, common schedules of the 24 hour for us. So we're doing what we can to, well, I guess one keep sanity, but really just stay awake. Um, there, yes, we are allowed to go to sleep at night if we're not running calls. But as soon as we start getting calls, like we're still, you know, up and responding 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and we're just trying to get you know wake up. So I'm, I'm usually waking up at 5 a.m. Uh, my shift doesn't start until seven, but I get there at six to relieve people. My actual shift is starting at seven, and then for the next 24 hours, I'm there. So. Um, I hear it all, like people are using it just cause it tastes good. People are using it because they want the caffeine. They don't realize how much caffeine they're actually ingesting. 
some people are combining it with other stimulants, uh, pre-workout, caffeine, like just uh, coffee on top of that. Uh, some people are like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do tea. Well, there's still caffeine and tea. And then they might be taking uh, pre-workout on top of all those things. Or they're just using it as their pre-workout to get in a workout. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it's late at night. You know, some, pe- some people are still mowing through these things late at night. So uh, energy drink use has been rampant for years and years and years. And I don't really see it slowing down, to be quite honest. Yeah, and it, I mean, I think it starts with an innocent idea, right? Like we just want to be alert and we want to be able to do our job because we're fatigued. And the interesting thing about caffeine is there's a lot of positive research about it. I mean, it's, you know, there is positive research to use it right before sport. Um, it, it The thing about caffeine is it doesn't necessarily make us not fatigued. Um, it boosts our mood, you know, and it gives us a little spurt of energy, um, which is great. I think most people are really shocked um, slash annoyed when I give my recommendations of really having about 200 milligrams of caffeine a day, right? Um, and when you think about it, like a monster, for example, um, it's, I believe it's 200 or above just for one of those energy drinks. And Starbucks, it's interesting if you're really in tune with your body, you know, sometimes I go to Starbucks and I think like, holy like that, I, that coffee really like did something to me. Well, it's interesting because some of those Starbucks coffees are upwards of 450 milligrams. And like now just think about all these kids that are going and grabbing like Starbucks because it's like the, the, you know, the, the cool thing to do. My concern with the caffeine is that, you know, if we have too much caffeine, the first thing that I think about is it increases our heart rate. And you talked a lot you know, and and our last um, uh, talk about, you know, being really practicing um, kind of that grounding ability, because when you're in a call, your heart rate will just shoot up really quick. So if you're already going into that um, call or that incident with a high um, heart rate, um, that makes me nervous, um, (laughs) especially from a, you know, a cardiac um, standpoint. But, you know, too much caffeine can also cause a dizziness, which I think is dangerous, um, anxiety, insomnia. On average, it's in our body for about seven hours. Some We're all different. Some it stays in longer, some it stays in shorter. So think about like when you're finally off after those 24 hours, and if you can't get sleep, then we're kind of like we're adding to that circle of chaos, of fatigue and inability to recover. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it just keeps begetting more issues, right? Um, and for a lot of our line of dirty, line of dirty, line of duty, um, uh, coverage. Uh, if somebody suffers a cardiac arrest within 24 hours of their shift, it's considered a line of duty death because all the metabolic demands that are placed on us throughout that 24 hour shift, <clears throat> that stress and those cardiac injuries obviously last. And so there have been people that have a fire, have a training event. And then the very next morning when they're supposed to get off, or maybe they get home, they lay down and they don't wake back up again. And they're covered because it's considered a line of duty death. Um, so it, you kind of like tip me off like, yes, we are ingesting, you know, the coffee that like I see them on the shelves that are like supercharged 300 milligrams. I was the same way that there was a Starbucks on my college campus. And I remember feeling awful and having raging headaches after drinking Starbucks coffee because it is so, you know, caffeine heavy. So and you also tipped off another part, like, yes, it can increase anxiety. You know, we have 
I think it has become uh, more clear, more transparent, more acceptable to talk about some of the mental health stuff going on in the fire service as well. So it's awesome that people are actually getting out there talking about some of the things that we're experiencing and being able to decompress, find better coping skills than just getting jittery, mowing through coffee, sitting on the couch, getting behind the TV, eating poor food. And um, it's like this whole systems approach, right? Yeah, you can cut out the caffeine, maybe limit it, but then there's all these other downstream things that we have to worry about. So I, I see people like, you know, they're at the table, their hands are a little shaky and it's like, Hey man, what's, what's going on today? I just got some stuff going on at home and I've downed like a whole pot of coffee and I'm like mowing through Snickers bars. Like there's a lot to unpack there, mm. right? There's it's, and it's hard to say, okay, well let's just clean up caffeine. But then there's all these other things that go along with it. It's a, uh, you really gotta be like an investigator to figure out like there are so many other pieces to this puzzle, which I'm sure you all can relate to. It's not just, oh, you're eating poorly. Like what are all the other things externally going on that are, you know, creating these issues? Right. And I think it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Amy, I think often we want something that's quick and easy to help us work through a problem, right? We're tired. Let's go to the monster energy. But what we're all talking about is it creates this ripple effect, though, of like other consequences, positive or negative, that now we have to address because of that one choice. Um, So it's, you know, I, I think we often see it in terms of like, disordered eating and like um diet culture and these quick and easy things but then there's a lot of consequences because of that um i don't know what the answer is but (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's labor intensive right i mean i always tell everybody that i work with everything sounds wonderful in my office i mean we're strategic we break things down we get a good idea i mean believe it or not i do work with a lot of people on reducing their caffeine and really getting more in tune with your body. And we do find like when we decrease the caffeine, we can kind of add in that like that joyful movement during the day, really make sure that our hydration is up, um, time our nutrition, that actually puts us on the right cylinder. But you know, the funny thing happens when you walk out of my office, life happens, right? <laughs> so it's really hard to integrate all of those things. So, you know, I don't fault people for wanting that quick fix. Um, it's just the way of the world, right? Like everybody's marketing against us. They, you know, monster knows that they can, um, they can make a, a, a very, um, easy, it's an easy target, right? They can have a very nice streamlined revenue by just putting that on the market on, you know, on the shelves and marketing it to folks because they want that quick fix. Um, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. There, um, I just saw a, uh, like Instagram post just the other day within fire service, like nutrition circles. And they were saying, um, hopefully sleep one day will carry the same weight as concussions do in football. Like, and we can start to see it get to that place, but we definitely still have that mentality of now, nah, well, we'll sleep when we're dead and, and, you know, pushing the envelope and always redlining it. And we see, we just, we're getting burnout. Right. Uh, when I, I think I said this before, when I first came in, you were not allowed to nap. Like that was a fear of yours on duty. And now we're like, okay, there's enough research here to show that it's good. If we're going to be up all night, cause we're at a busy firehouse, like let's get in, we call it the safety nap, right? We call it, a, we try to get in a 30 minute safety nap or whatever. Um, and just even when we are waking up at night, like research is pretty clearly showing that 3am the bells drop. It could be 
for a fire. It could be for an old lady that fell down, but either way, these bells go off and our adrenaline spike from the emotional hormonal dump of just bells going off. Hey, we got to respond. There are some people in the fire service that are already at maximal heart rates because all these flashing lights come on, these loud bells are going off and we have to be out the door in less than two minutes. So, you know, and if you've been ingesting caffeine all day, eating poorly, like you're already kind of sitting at, you know, less than ideal. And now, yeah, we're adding the bells, we're adding the hormonal stress. There's, there's so many pieces to it. I mean, think about that. So for everybody who's um, listening, I think about, you know, my kids are older now, but like, uh, you know, when you have younger kids or if like you have an animal and they like scare you in the middle of the night, like you feel somebody looking at you and you're like, <laughs> wake, wake up like abruptly like that. I, that really scares the living, you know, it really scares me. And I mean, I think about feeling that way and really like having to take a minute and take a breath. I can't imagine feeling that way. And then knowing I have to get up and be out of where I am in two minutes and ready and ready to do my job. I mean, that is, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, there are also plenty of um, <clears throat> firehouses that have multiple pieces of apparatus. So even if it's not my call that I'm due on for what I'm writing, there could be three, four other pieces of apparatus there that have other crews on them and we're all getting woken up. So it's kind of like someone coming into your house. And even if I don't respond on any calls, it's kind of like someone coming in, turning all the lights and then like hitting the, and your alarm goes off on your phone or your, your alarm clock that happens for two minutes and then everything gets shut back off and go to bed. So, and that happens three, four or five times during the night. Yeah. Sometimes I do also have to respond. And then there's other times like, Oh, that wasn't even my call, but all the lights come on, all the bells go off. Um, so yeah, the sleep disturbances are just, you know, rife within the fire service. Oh my God. Yeah, oh I'm gosh. sitting here laughing that you said that, Amy, because I was thinking that exact same thing. Like, uh, my husband and I joke, it's like when the kids, um, yeah, start crying in the middle of the night and it's almost like gunfire, like pop, pop, pop. <laughs> and we kind of have to wait and see if they're going to keep crying, but it does get your adrenaline oh, yeah. up and you're just kind of like, and so Josh, I can't imagine what it's like then, like you're needing to respond to that. Whereas I'm in the safety of my home and I know that like everything's okay. Yours is just mm -hmm. a, such a different experience. I can't imagine. Yeah. Every three days yeah. for 20 to 30 years. That's uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So let's talk about one of my favorite things. Um, keto intermittent fasting. Nice. Um, you know, I actually do. I, I'll say I do get a lot of, um, I work with, you know, firefighters, uh, police officers, um, and a lot really are into keto and intermittent fasting. Um, I don't know. I, I, I get it because I feel like it's kind of black and white. So it kind of gives structure to people. Like I understand why it's appealing, right? Like eat between this time and this time. And then if you get results, well, that's even more appealing. Um, but again it makes me nervous because I feel like it's not the right thing for the majority of the population. Like what are your thoughts about that within the firefighting um, yeah. industry? Yeah, we, we certainly see, I, I've seen it run the entire gamut, right? Um, 
being, I think we just could be naturally attract like the type A person. They like, I'm going to take charge of my health and I'm going to, I'm going to make some awesome changes. I'm going to do this next big thing that's out there. And uh, to be fair, like some of those people have seen awesome success. Um, there are people that were not eating well at all. And as soon as you make any changes, you should hopefully see some change for the, for the good, for the benefit. Right. So right. <clears throat> there are people that have done the keto and, and intermittent fasting and they're seeing benefit. Maybe they're dropping weight that they needed to drop. Maybe energy levels are going up. I think so much of it comes back to the sustainability of it. Like I've seen research that talks about keto being super awesome for pathological reasons, like for cancer, because there's no sugar to feed off of the cancer cells. Like I think it has a, a, a place and serves a purpose for specific reasons. The one thing I just want to caution fire the fire service personnel with is um, <clears throat> I don't ever want to like demonize carbs. Like I know that you talk about that and we, we uh, you know, that is our energy source. And I think people, we are very quick to go to the extreme, right? So we have people that intermittent fast that are only going to eat from like three o'clock in the afternoon to six o'clock in the evening, like a three hour window, right? Or whatever it is. Like it's literally called breakfast, like breaking the fast. You're fasting for many hours overnight. I think that we sometimes lose sight of that. And sure, if you want to compress your eating window, I'm okay with that. But instead of it being like just three to six, like you can still eat 8 a.m. to like 6 p.m. Like, and just check in with yourself. Why are we doing what it is that we're doing? Are you having issues overeating? Like, are you snacking late at night? Well, instead of you eating at 10 o'clock at night, let's just bring that in a little bit. So I feel like we're very quick to go to the extreme and we don't necessarily need to um, go hard and fast in the paint. Let's make it more approachable. Let's make it more sustainable. Because that's the biggest thing is you check in a couple months later, like, hey, you still doing that? Like, no, nah, not really. Or if I am, they're like doing it begrudgingly. And it like they don't feel good anymore. And their energy has gone down. I had a friend reach out to me the other day because they were doing IF stuff and like, and uh, body fat percentage has gone up, feels super weak, super bloated. And I was like, man, I think you really need to spread out this window and ingest more. And I, you and I have seen this, especially you like, no, we need you to eat more. And then you're actually going to lose weight because they're so strict with that eating window and they're trying to get too much in or they're not getting in enough. And your body's just kind of going through just this crazy mode that it's not working in an ideal situation. And so for these calls that we run, the metabolic de demands placed on us are super, super high. They can be. And I just worry about people dropping out because they're not hydrated well. They're not, you know, they don't have the fuel sources on board in that ready state. And some people are like, oh, I can, you know, I'm in ketosis. I'm in fat burning stage. If you're there and it's working for you, awesome. But I think across the wide swath of, I'm just taking a wide paintbrush for the fire service. I don't think most people are going to operate well in that situation. And yes, yeah, sure. We're not running fires every single day and we might have these slow shifts, but I would much rather see people be fueled properly. I think they're going to sleep better. They're going to operate better. They're not going to feel as bloated. They're not going to get the headaches. They're not going to feel tired during the workouts. And if all these things are happening, like let that be a clue that, things are your, whatever you're doing is not, you know, in an optimal position. So yeah, that's like my loose take on it.
Well, you bring up a good point. I mean, again, we're talking about really like trust our body, listen to our body, right? And I think that so many times we kind of get away from that. I always kind of describe it like this, um, you know, our nervous system, which is the wonderful system within our body that gathers information and then kind of puts an action to it, right? So um, if we are not getting enough of the nutrients, right, our our nervous system perceives that as an unsafe situation, right? And so we're no longer grounded. We are now moving into this fight or flight, right? And so when you're grounded, you have a normal breath rate, you can make good decisions, your reaction time is good, your digestion is good. You know, when we move into that fight or flight, um, we do have physical impairments, right? Our heart rate goes up, our digestion is not good. You know, I mean, we're either constipated, we're dehydrated, we um, are, we cannot, our decision making time is decreased. And so we really need to kind of think about how we feel, but then also think about by removing or eliminating this particular or this entire food group, how is our body perceiving this, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, um, and if we're going to put ourselves in this fight or flight all day long, I mean, it's just not a good situation um, if you are in a position where you have to react quickly. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing, and I don't know if these are, um, are the right stats, but I pulled that, let's see, uh, 45% on duty firefighters die from heart attacks. Yeah. And then um, I saw in 2022, the IAFF published that cancer attributed to 74% of line of duty deaths in 2022, Yes, which is astounding to yeah. me. I mean, that is astounding. So think about that. Like if we take away those carbohydrates, right, which is our fruits and our vegetables, which give us the antioxidants that fight off the free radicals for the cancer. I mean, I'm getting kind of nerdy here, yeah, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, or we're you know, or we're adding, or we're doing keto where we're increasing the fat, you know, if we already have occluded arteries, like that's going to, um, that saturated fat is going to increase our risk of mortality with um, cardiac. I just think we have to be very thoughtful about that. It makes me nervous. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I know just my personal experience in my own department, we have lost uh, a handful of people just over the last couple of years from cancer uh, that they most likely contracted on the job because of all the carcinogens we're constantly dealing with. Uh, we just lost a good friend last year. We lost um, a friend of mine, Nick, from testicular cancer, who was in his 20s. Um, another uh, gentleman, Rich Blankenship, phenomenal firefighter and human being. We lost him uh, just over a year ago to uh, to cancer. And he's still, I mean, he had a little over 20 years on the job, but he leaves behind five kids. You know, it's um, it can be, it's, it's in our faces and we see it and the research is there and you're absolutely right. Um, I know that when I am getting in the fruits and the vegetables at a, at a healthy volume, uh, I am sleeping better and I do feel better. And all the other, like the gross things that stick out to me, you know, become better, but then also all those little micro things that you wouldn't normally think about, like the blood work starts coming back and, and they start reading better. You know, I am going to start sleeping better. So, yeah, I don't think there's enough discussion on the micronutrients as well. So that certainly plays into it with just the fruits and vegetables and just the quality because we are looking for that quick fix so often. Yeah, and Josh, I mean, if this information is out there, what do you think is a barrier to other uh, firefighters like making those that change, right? Like if we have this information and 
what do you think? Are, are they just not aware of it? Are they, is it the quick and easy thing? And they're going that route. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, the tides are definitely turning. Um, people are certainly trying to make better decisions. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> we're all trying to toe the line, but I think some of the barriers in place are cultural. So we still have, you know, you can work this job for 20 to 30 years. So you have the generations that, you know, were still born in the 50s, 60s, 70s that are doing this job. And then you have people that were literally born after 9-11 doing this job and we're all working together. So I think there are some general uh, generational differences there. There is just the quick fix of, um, yeah, I don't want to sit there and think about these crazy meals. I, you know, I'm all about like, and to be fair, Friday night where I work, if you work a Friday shift, that's pizza Friday. Like that's why that's like tradition. So we're doing pizza Friday. Um, so there's some traditional stuff there as well. And, um, some of it, like, I, I don't know how else to say this. Like some, a lot of the people that we work with eat like children, like they, they're, they're grown men and women. And they're like, I eat chicken nuggets. I eat macaroni and cheese and like blueberry pie. And I might try one vegetable a year. And I do, I'm going to have one broccoli stalk and that's enough. And I, it tastes terrible to me and that's it. <laughs> so, and then you have the other end of the spectrum where we have, you know, a vegetarian on shift or somebody that's gluten-free and they're focusing on getting as many fruits and vegetables in as they can, because that's their main food source. And you try to pair those two together to have a meal together at dinner and it starts, you know, things start going sideways a little bit. So <laughs> definitely moving the needle in the right direction. Things are certainly improving. There's a ton of research out there. I think it really comes down to leadership, right? I mean, so often in anything that we do in any walk of life, it takes um, really strong leadership that sets a really strong example and toes the line and supports people as best we can, you know? And some of it, I mean, with the economy now, it does come down to money. There are certain people that, you know, you get a bunch of people together and they don't know like, Hey, we have 20 bucks and we got to feed six people. It's not always the fruits and vegetables that are the cheapest things to get. Right. It's the frozen meatballs that have been hanging out for on the shelf for the last year. So it's, uh, that can be difficult too. Right. I think there are certain people like I've been doing it long enough where like, Oh no, we can get a really healthy meal for cheap and this is how we can do it. But that's where that education component comes in. And that can be a full-time job. As you know, this is your full-time job, right? And so you bring one firefighter in, that's also a trainer that has a little bit of a background in nutrition and you got to get 500 people on board. Um, it can be really tough. And quite honestly, in our history, we've, uh, not current fire chiefs. These are old administrations. Uh, it was literally said, we will not do these physicals or we're not going to put um, our physical fitness tests and requirement on display. We're not going to record them anymore because as soon as we know that there's a problem, then we have to act. If we take them out, we don't have to act on it. And so some of it can be political as well. Obviously, that's huh. I'm not of that opinion. Um, I think there's, there's too much at stake. But, uh, you know. We're still run by local governments and there's money and there's politics involved as well. So it takes strong leadership and, and, and a department full of people that are willing to toe the line to make that change happen. And as we know, with any walk of life, that can be one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, it's hard to sustain that sometimes when you know you're, you know, especially if you don't feel like you're leading um, with a group. And um, it sounds like you have a pretty good um you know, uh, 
workforce that you're working with and that you have people that support you, but I'm sure there's people on here, like you said, politics, um, lovely politics. Yeah. We won't even go down that um, road. Yeah. But, Let's yeah, not touch it's that. Exa- <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting to, to do that, but you're right. The leadership, I'm sure, is, is very important. Um, so let's talk about alcohol. <clears throat> you know, I'm not against alcohol. I, um, you know, I think there's room for it. I do feel just with my personal experience, you know, working at Kindred Nutrition, alcohol um, consumption has increased significantly since the pandemic. It really annoyed me that that was the business that they thought was mandatory to leave open. I mean, I just feel like it like led like a recipe for disaster. Everybody in the world could, you know, turn to alcohol for a distraction um, during a traumatic time of their life. So um, I do feel like, you know, there, there's some truth to you have um, a, a drink that you like, you enjoy it, you enjoy the taste of it, you get an endorphin, you relax. Um, but I do feel like it's very, very easy to increase that consumption too quickly and really to make it a habit. Um, it is pretty addictive. Um, what are your thoughts about alcohol? Like, does it have a place? Um, does it not have a place? Do we need to be smart about it? Yeah, it's, um, we just have to tread lightly, right? I think we have to be very honest with ourselves. Um, I'm, I say my two vices are alcohol and ice cream. I love them. (laughs) All right. So I, yes, I'll have the glass of wine at night. Uh, I think we just need to be really honest with ourselves. If we are waking up in the mornings and we have headaches, we're feeling dehydrated, we're feeling sluggish. If our drinks are late in the night, the research is super clear that it affects our sleep. So we sh- that shouldn't be the last thing we're having before bed. Maybe it's a glass of wine with dinner. Uh, there are medical research bodies out there that have recommended levels. I think the uh, United States is one of the most strict. I think the UK, it's like you can have two drinks a day every day. And like we're good with that. So I'm not saying the research is mixed, but like there's some there's some different opinions out there. It's when we start getting like two plus right? Um, if, and we see it in the fire service, <clears throat> you have people that get together and they'll start binge drinking and we know it's at an unhealthy level. Like, are you in control of this or is it in control of you? Uh, especially with the stress component with our job, uh, going back to that one book I mentioned last time, it is very common for people in public safety to turn to the bottle when we experience stressful events and that's a way that we think we're decompressing but quite honestly it's a depressant right so uh, especially in these stressful situations in these stressful times um, one of the best things you can do is actually go work out and release all the built-up adrenaline that you've had experiencing that stressful event and let your body decompress and downregulate through those means not throwing a depressant on top of your system because then your body's just, you know, in this havoc mode of trying to deal with the hormonal dump and then have it a depressant dumped on top of that. So, man, we could go on this forever. I mean, there have been plenty of people that have gone to the IFF Center of Excellence, which I talked about before, just strictly for substance abuse issues. Um, I have a couple of close personal friends that were like, you know what? It just, I wasn't a good version of myself. Or, 
I didn't have a problem drinking. It's just when I did drink, then I just drank the volume was too much. So there's a lot of different ways, as I'm sure it is what you see with nutrition and some disordered eating. Uh, there, it doesn't just manifest itself in one way. There are probably many layers where uh, the consumption is not healthy. And so again, we just need to check in. Is this something that is taking control of me? Am I not in charge of, you know, my own personal well-being? Am I waking up dehydrated with a headache? You know, I know some people do the sober October, or dry January, and they feel like rock stars coming out of it. Like that's that's a clue that you know things are a little too much. I, I did dry January once, and I was like, I really don't feel any difference. And I, but I'm not somebody that's drinking, you know my consumption is super high, right? You know, I like having my one glass of whiskey here and there, or like my one glass of red wine. And I'm good with that. You know, don't mistake it. I will tie one on when the time's appropriate, but you know, that's not like right. if I'm there and living in that space consistently, you know, that's uh, I need to be careful of that. And just like you said, I mean, there is time, there was a time in, in my career when I was super young where going into the volunteer house or even at another firehouse, you would see people that were hooked up to IVs and nasal cannulas because they went and tied one on the night before. And then we're going into shift and like, Hey buddy, your paramedic hooked me up. Right. That doesn't happen anymore. I haven't seen that, but you know, culturally we're going to go out, we're going to tie one on and have a good time. But we know that we're behind the eight ball. We know that we're not firing on all cylinders. We're not at our absolute best. And so, like you said, the reaction time is going down. We're more lethargic. We just don't feel well, right? I mean, heavy alcohol consumption causes so many downstream issues. So there are resources out there for it. You know, for the fire service, we absolutely need to take advantage of them. Um, But truly check in with yourself and be like, is this something that I'm in charge of or is it the other way around? Yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying, Josh, because, um, you know, going off of what Amy said also, right, it can have this relaxing effect temporarily because as your body starts to digest alcohol, then it releases cortisol, which is a stress hormone, um, which is like you mentioned the sleep. So that is what would negatively impact your sleep, depending on like the time of your last drink and when you go to bed. And what I often tell clients that I work with is your stomach makes 90% of your serotonin, which is a feel-good hormone. Mm-hmm. So think about if you're drinking alcohol, which is a depressant, and that's what's going into your stomach, your body isn't going to make the serotonin that it would if you were eating like food, and that's what's going into your stomach. Um, so I've read a book. Of course, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, uh <clears throat> how to please edit that part out, but how to <laughs> quit like a woman. Um, and the author, Holly, something, I think she talks about how um, she parallels the alcohol industry with cigarettes. Right. And in the moment, you know, cigarettes weren't viewed as this very harmful thing, but as research came out and we're seeing things come out, like there was this total shift about um cigarettes. And she was kind of wondering if alcohol would be that same thing with as research comes out and how like bad it could be for you. Are we going to have this shift where people abstain from alcohol more? Yeah, I, I have, I've heard that exact same thing. Like the alcohol industry is almost kind of going towards a little bit of that old school cigarette mentality of, of how do we market this to keep it you know, out there. And we see it with the different types of flavors and the seltzers and the colors and the marketing, you know, we're targeting really young crowds, right? So it's, um, 
yeah, it's, it's super unfortunate, but there are resources out there and talking about uh, the serotonin was super awesome. It reminded me of just dopamine, right? You do get the dopamine hit and some of the research I like on that is where, uh, you want to have the most natural dopamine hit you possibly can, right? So if we are artificially in a bringing in dopamine hits from drugs, from alcohol, from maybe either unnatural or, uh, resources or sources where it's, you're not really earning the dopamine. Like if you're getting it from working out from awesome travel and like core memory experiences, those are the healthy dopamine rushes, the unhealthy ones being the hits where you're not really doing the work for it and struggling in a good way for it. And that's when that addiction will start creeping in. And the research has been pretty clear on that. And the neuroscience is pretty clear on that. So that's just another, you know, rocky road that we can start going down that we just don't need to be. Yeah. And I think everybody can kind of do a little, little bit of like their own research um, with, with the alcohol as well. Like exactly like you said, Josh, like if you wake up and you don't feel good or, you know, you have a headache and then later on in the day, you feel like a little paranoid or a little bit more anxious or on edge. Like those are some clear signs, but I, I'm like a, da- a data geek. I think that's in like a dietitian's type A nature. So um, we got a sleep number bed, I guess a year ago. So it gets you all these stats, right? And it is so interesting to me. I have a pretty um, low heart rate, um, not too low, but, you know, appropriate. But just with two drinks um, and one drink, if it's after eight o'clock at night, my heart rate is up by at least 10 beats a minute. And it's just very interesting. Like, I'm lucky because, I mean, I have a lower heart rate, but. It's just very interesting. So you think about like what happens if you do tie one on and you have like five to six, you know, or more. um, And we know that it takes about an hour to get rid of or to like process and excrete the alcohol. Like think about what you're doing to your body. So I don't know if anybody is like one of those like data geeks. It's really good to kind of take a look at that because it just gives you information. Um, And the other thing about alcohol is there's so much research that it contributes to certain types of cancers. So we've got, you know, that increase in pancreatic, liver, um, breast, mouth, and head and neck. And so, you know, everybody else, everybody who is in working in the firefighting, we just talked about that. I mean, it just, it breaks my heart to read that 74% of line of duty deaths from cancer from like our heroes who are protecting us. You know, um, it's just, it's really important, again, to just look at the alcohol um, because we don't want to contribute to something that, you know, we're already at risk of. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So let's talk about fast food. Yeah. It's like my favorite thing to talk about. Um, I mean, I have people who, you know, really feel like fast food is the devil and you know yes i i do feel like we don't have the most you know the best options with fast food you know i mean when you look at like the big macs the whoppers the fried chicken that sort of thing but one of the key things that we've talked about is sometimes like we need to get nourishment fast so is there an option to get that fast food and if we do get fast food what are we looking for do you have any ideas about that? Yeah. So we are, 
uh, really good at getting like gas station pizza and Taco Bell and like the 7-Eleven taquitos, right? Um, we, we're, we're good at getting the quick fix. And as gently as I can, we try to talk about the actual uh, nourishment, right? What, what, is, what are these foods actually providing you? Uh, but th- that absolutely is true. Like there are certain times when we are just getting run ragged and any food is better than no food, right? The, that's going to happen. Um, but if we have that little bit of time, I know, and this obviously is entirely dependent on where you live. Like I'm a big fan of Cava, a big fan of Chipotle. Like you can get healthier options there. Plenty of times I've had to run into a gas station and I'm looking for like the meat and the cheese and some fruit stuff, like a healthier granola bar without a bunch of added stuff. So the options are there. It's just one, do you have a working knowledge of knowing like what's probably higher quality micronutrient wise and what's not. And, um, <clears throat> then also having the, d- the discipline to actually make that decision. Right. Uh, it's easy to go into the Seven Eleven and grabbing the C4 energy drink and the Snickers and, and rolling out and go into the next call. So, but that's stuff. I mean, we've been hitting on it. Like it's going to burn off super quick. You're not going to feel great. And there's all the downstream effects of just taking in all the, uh, the unnecessary micronutrients that you might find in a, in an energy drink. So the options are out there. It's just, we have to do the right thing. Yeah. I like to kind of think of it as, okay, if you're in, if it, if you have to get something quick and you feel like, okay, but this is maybe I have a relationship with food where this is my reward, then a simple way to think of it is eat what you want, get what you need. So, you know, if you if McDonald's is the only option, right, let's just say, um, get the cheeseburger. If you like their little cheeseburger with the pickles, it does taste really yummy. And then add what you need. They do. They do have side salads. They do have, you know, the apple slices um, and other things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love like the sheets and all the grocery stores. They have so much more to offer now than they did when we were younger. I mean, you can really go into that middle aisle and you can see like boiled eggs and veggies and hummus and, you know, wraps and things like that. So, you know, if you're in that quick situation, you know, get what you want, you know, eat what you want, and but add what you need um, and try to kind of think about like, how can I compromise? Um, and then I do think there's kind of some planning and preparation into it, right? Like, which is hard for you guys to do in your industry, but just thinking about, okay, these are my top like four places that we go in our area. This is where we usually stop. So let me get really familiar with this menu or the options so that I can kind of go on autopilot. I can go in, grab it and then get out. Um, I think, yeah, I'd rather have people get something than be so afraid of it that they don't get anything. But you know, we just need to be smart about it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, we will, there's like f- five different things I wanted to, to split out on that one. Um, sometimes, yes, the, the options have gotten a lot easier, which I absolutely love. Like you can walk into so many gas stations and you do have more options. Uh, there are definitely places where I work and places, and I have a lot of friends in some rough that work in rough areas. They're socioeconomically depressed areas and they don't have good options, quite honestly. It's, you know, the nature of the the demographics of the area, which is super unfortunate. So in that instance, um, what I try to tell people just globally is when you talk about diet and nutrition, it's so easy to talk about the negative, right? The, the diet culture of don't do this, don't do that, stay away from this thing, limit this. I tell people like, 
flip the script, focus on the positive as much as possible. Focus on the things that you know are good for you, know are going to nourish your body, know that you can, know that it is sustainable for you. And then you don't have a whole lot of time for all the negative. And if you're doing, you know, and if you're focused on the positive 80, 20, the other 20 is not going to be a massive impact, right? And just like you said, planning, if we can take stuff with us, uh, keep it in our gear, throw the lunchbox on the rig. Awesome. Uh, sometimes it's not feasible. There are times when I'm responsible for actually jumping between ladder trucks and engines and rescue squads. And I'm literally jumping on all three all throughout the day and have to grab all my gear and run over to the next one and then run it back over to the other one. And so sometimes it's not very feasible, right? To carry the lunch boxes with me. Some shifts have gotten really good about planning before, like somebody will go out the day before, get all the food that they need and they'll bring it in. So that way it's at least at the firehouse and they don't have to worry about it. Um, it, it sometimes I feel like, you know, a, like my grandmother that's clipping coupons, like there, if you plan ahead, um, we've had 15 minutes one day and we know on Mondays at Safeway, they have chicken night. So we will literally grab like eight roaster chickens, a couple of those like pre-made rice bags and a frozen vegetable microwave really quick. You've got a meal and you just fed a dozen people for relatively inexpensive and it was all done in 15 minutes. So sometimes you just got a little great, get, excuse me, get creative. It may not be the sexiest meal, but you're filling yourselves, you're getting high quality food in, you're doing it at a reasonable price and it's done quickly, right? And then you're out on the next call. So yeah, planning, planning goes a long way. So let's switch gears a little bit. <clears throat> I think this is something that um, is just really interesting to me. I know um, we talked a little bit about incidents um, and you know they're they're pretty... Uh, I, I guess they're all different, right? But I think when we think about the human body and what the human body is going through with incidents, right? It's a lot of um, like metabolic stress, a lot of anxiety, um, you know, fear, all, all these emotions, right? Um, what do you feel like, what happens after that incident is over, right? I mean, obviously I feel like get to safety, you relax, um, you know, adrenaline probably goes down or maybe the adrenaline stays up, right? How important is it to really pay attention to like those first 24 hours after an incident and beyond? And what do you think is the most important thing to look at or to pay attention to? Yeah, that's a multi-layered question depending on the incident. Uh, there are, uh, again, culturally we're doing a lot better. So before we would have officers that would come up to you after a rough call and be like, Hey, how's everybody doing? And as you're opening your mouth, be like, good. Cause if this is the job we're doing, so get over it. And then they you know, walk away and then you're just like, okay, well, I guess I'm just keep my mouth shut and live with that one. Uh, but we, we are doing better. We actually just hired an, uh, an, um, a therapist, like internally for our department and they can provide initial therapy services, but then also their job is going to be to dish you out and refer you to like the SMEs that you need for whatever it is that you're going through. And you see some departments making that change and uh, it's, a, it's gotten to be a really widely used resource because it is more acceptable when it did not used to be in prior generations. So, um, it sounds simple, but sometimes it can be a heavy lift. It's just about establishing connection, right? We've had a lot of really rough calls. I think some of the roughest ones for the fire service 
just generally speaking, are the ones with kids. You know, massive traumatic injuries, death with kids. And we've had a lot of those actually over the last year. And just to be able to check in with each other and know that, hey, you have a support system. You know, we're here for you. We have resources for you. Don't turn to the bottle. Don't shove this down. Don't, you know, keep it bottled up and then just go home and then sleep all day and, you know, just mow through Miller Lights, like checking in with each other. And uh, the shift that I worked with a few years ago when we dealt with a pretty uh, major line of duty death, I feel like we got through it a lot better than others because we were constantly checking in on each other, supporting each other, literally telling, like, I've never seen so many grown men tell each other that they loved each other. And it was cool to see because we all allowed ourselves to be vulnerable and we talked about it. We talked about what happened and we opened up to each other and we established that trust and connection. And then once you're able to establish that, then all the other finer things can come into play like, hey, what's going on at home? How are you eating? How are you drinking? How are you sleeping? Do you need more resources than just us talking, right? Um, and then there's the other side of it of, uh, let's say, fires, where we are dealing with the stress. Maybe there's death involved in the actual fires, but then there's the toxins we're exposed to. There's plenty of times if I run a really good fire, I have all the protective gear that I can, but my body's soaking in so much the next three days that I shower, I still smell the fire coming out of my pores. And that's where a lot of those cancer oh risks are coming in. So some departments are going towards uh, actually putting saunas in firehouses. We have not gotten there yet. I would love to see that. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I try to get into the hot tub if I can or take really hot showers and shower as quickly as I can. Uh, deconning our gear and our apparatus and all of our equipment has gotten really big and really important to... Um, just to stave off as much as we can. There was a a department nearby that um, they had a lot of like neck related cancers because of our protective hoods. Those weren't getting cleaned very well. And so over months and years of people wearing the dirty protective hoods, it was just leaking into their skin and they could have run a fire six months ago, but it was all the stuff that was still stuck on the gear. So like cleaning practices have gotten better but again, we, it is a whole systems approach, right? We have to clean our gear appropriately. We have to make sure we're establishing connection. We have to hold high expectations of ourselves and of our people. And then once we get that into play, then we need to make sure the sleep deprivation is being conquered because if we're not sleeping well, our body's not repairing and recovering. Cancer risk goes up, right? The anxiety is going to go up. Same thing. Obviously, we're, we're hitting on a lot of the same things, you know, bringing it full circle, like alcohol use eating food, are we ingesting things that are just upping the risk when we're already behind the eight ball? There are so many things that we got to battle, you know, so many things in life. So, um, we just have to be very diligent in how we're taking care of all these little, little things that we're experiencing. I just throw a lot at you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you're saying, Josh, about, um, the smell, right? Because it makes me think of PTSD and things like that. A smell can trigger a memory and can bring you back to a stressful or traumatic situation. So I can't, and you may not be aware of that, you know, other people in the department may not be aware of like, oh, because I smell this, it gives me this memory or it gives me this flashback. And that's really um, hard to cope with. So I'm, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for that story. Um, because it makes me think of, yeah, maybe how people might be 
having PTSD symptoms and not realize like that's what it is. And I'm also happy to hear that there's um, moves towards bringing like a therapist in house to help support the first responder community because it's really important. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like if we run those good fires, I think 80% of people are going to tell you like they're blowing their nose and they're getting all the black snotty smoke boogers out. And like, we're, we're smelling all the fire and our shower and we're like, yeah, we ran a good fire. Like we, we kind of get amped over that stuff. Right. It's Cause we're a very twisted group of people, but you're absolutely right. There is <laughs> those times when those little memories will bring you back. Um, had a couple friends recently that have had multiple pediatric deaths, uh, back to back all within a short time frame, And then, you know, you go home and you, um, <clears throat> spend time with your kids. And I know for me, like sometimes I had to work through some hypervigilance stuff because I was dealing mm -hmm. with a lot of pediatric deaths. And then I'm coming home to my kids and seeing them. And I got a little too hypervigilant with some things and I was constantly worried. And so we absolutely need to process stuff. There's a, there's a, there's a lot going on. And you said it too, making yourself vulnerable, you know, within your community or just like vulnerable to reach out for help um, because avoidance isn't going to solve, you know, mental health problems, right? When we avoid something or sweep it under the rug, what happens? It gets moldy, it gets gross, like things grow on it. Avoidance isn't, even though it may feel like a quick and easy fix um, or it may make sense in that moment, like avoidance just makes things worse. So yeah, having that vulnerability to reach out to people for support, um, you know, build trust and safety and relationships that is going to go a long way in maintaining people's mental health. Yeah, for sure. That was totally my attachment style was uh, avoidance. And I think that's common in the fire service because you just shove it down <laughs> and you just go on to the next one and then it builds up and builds up and builds up. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes you become that teapot that's got to blow off. Yeah, because you're human, you know, it's not a character defect, but it's just avoidance isn't sustainable. Not, right. you know, 100%. trying to single you out, Josh, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. My conscience is clear now. <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been learning. <laughs> well, I know that my family donates every year to our local um, firefighters. We, I live in Newmarket. We have a, vol I think our station is, I think it's 100% volunteer. I could be wrong about that. But I think that, is it? Yes, uh, it is volunteer run and own. Uh, I believe there are okay. uh, professional firefighters that are there during the day. So the paid paid crews are there. Okay. And then when the volunteers get off at night, I could be misspeaking. I know there's been a lot of changes in Frederick, uh, but it is kind of yeah. like a combination type setup, which is common in Maryland. Well, I know I'm going to be, that is something that I am going to put um, front and center that I want to do a little bit more research to see where I can donate throughout Maryland. Um, I mean, I'm very appreciative since I live so close and I have my entire life. It's really interesting. As a child, I was right near the firehouse um, in North Carolina. So for some reason, I've always been there and I'm very alert and know, I mean, that battle goes off a lot um and so i mean i know how it is it's so and i'm constantly commenting about it like my kids even laugh at me they're like you say that every single time the bell goes off and i'm like because i know people who do this for a living and i am thinking about how hard they're working so um i know josh you are doing some really cool things um i'd love for you to tell everybody um uh, some of the cool new things that you're doing um the why don't you tell us uh, about your, um, your mission or your new, um, 
kind of Instagram and all that kind of stuff yeah, you're doing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, it's a yeah, it's a new venture and it's called Forged and Unbroken. So it's kind of a nod to some of the old CrossFit terms, but then also, uh, you know, how uh, we'd liken us to uh, respond and see ourselves just within the fire service. So it's uh, I'm, we talked about whole systems. It's I'm going to try to try to do as much as I can. F- to and for the fire service on a whole. So, uh, there's going to be a public podcast, but there's also going to be an online community and on the online community through a Patreon. If you become a member, there's going to be everything from uh, a daily workout on top of the daily workout. There's also what I call the engine bay option. So if you don't have a ton of equipment, maybe just a set of dumbbells or a sandbag, you can still get in that similar workout with minimal equipment. So you still do something throughout the day. Uh, there's going to be mobility because musculoskeletal injuries are so rampant in the fire service. They can be career ending. Um, you know, and you know, that's one of my, my passions is this, the mobility and injury reduction. So there's going to be weekly mobility videos. Uh, there's going to be some growth mindset leadership stuff. So that's just going to be on the Patreon where we do some growth mindset leadership discussions. We're going to talk about research and take other industries and draw translations to the fire service just to help us grow and, and, um, and kind of get a macro view on some things and the podcast is going to talk to a lot of people. So yeah, we're sitting here talking about nutrition and I think we've putting out some awesome information. You and you ladies have so much good to say that I think can really help advance what we're trying to do. And we're going to talk to people on with line that have experienced line of duty deaths near misses. We're going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about resiliency and physical and mental wellness. So we're covering a lot of ground. Um, but, I've been fortunate to have some amazing mentors and I've been through some crazy stuff in my 20 years in the fire service. So it's my goal to, uh, to give back. And so one of the major components that I'm trying to bring into what I'm doing is, uh, if you do become a member through the Patreon and there is a monthly membership, uh, right out the gate, I'm taking a good chunk percentage quarterly and it's going to get donated right back to pro public safety charity. Um, that's going to be one of the overarching missions is whatever money's coming in, we're just going to flip it and get it right back out there. Uh, over time, I'd like to, the percentage to increase even higher, have the donations become even more frequent. And we're also going to try to get more equipment in the hands of firefighters. So, uh, bailout kits, like if we're trapped in a fire, there are certain kits that we can use to bail out of, uh, buildings and save us ourselves. They're really expensive and a lot of departments don't buy them. So I would love to outfit companies with bailout kits. I would love to put dumbbells in the hands of a firefighter that can't afford them. So there's a lot of things that we're going to try to do here. But um, yeah, the more membership that we get through the Patreon, the more good that we can do out there. So, you know, the the research keeps, keeps getting advanced. Um, the, the sources of income and, and support. Are, are out there and are growing. And so I would just like to be another avenue for that. So we can just keep doing better, you know, by for of ourselves. So that's, that's the goal. And again, it's forged and unbroken and it's, uh, it's getting ready to drop at the end of March. So it's, uh, every, all the background stuff has been, <laughs> been a work in process, but we're, uh, we're right <laughs> there getting ready to, to uh, hit the green light. Well, I love it. And what a way to bring back to the community. So I'm going to link, some of the information um, in the podcast. So uh, make sure that you take a look at that. And, um, you know, we just really appreciate you coming on, Josh. I know that Forge Unbroken is going to be successful. I don't think there's anything that you do that isn't successful because 
Um, you know, you work hard and you believe in everything that you say. It's one of the things that I appreciate about you. And for anybody who's listening, um, Josh's mobility is like the best I've ever done. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, <laughs> this is coming from someone who, uh, really needs to work on it. Um, he kind of <laughs> opened my eyes to, uh, to, you know, the, that mobility. So well, thank you. thanks so much for coming on again, Josh. And, you know, we wish you only good things. Oh, yeah, thanks, Josh. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always an honor. It's always great uh, rubbing elbows and talking with you too. Appreciate it.